Hello friends, it's Liam here from the Wrestling Podcast, how are you? Now, given that it's WrestleMania week, Gareth and I couldn't help but think that this might be an opportune moment to dish up a double helping of the podcast that will be talking about anything but. Because that's what we do here at the Wrestling Podcast, that's wrestling spelled W-R-S-T-L-I-N-G, we talk about all the graps, but without the E. But me and G, we're not anti, we're simply pro-wrestling, and with the collective around the corner, what better way to get prepared than with a feature-length interview with Edith Surreal, the artist, or should I say artwork, formerly known as Still Life. Edith has at least three matches currently on the pencil for the collective weekender, so we thought we'd pick her brains, and quite honestly, it's a beautiful conversation. We talk about her wrestling style, the booming LGBTQ plus wrestling scene, we talk gender, gear, graphic design, we talk Pinterest, we go all over the shop in this one, in a conversation that's an equal part, both fascinating and charming. And we're fortunate enough to have been joined by our pal Sandra Roof from the Queen Street Posse, Inside the Ropes and Retro ITR podcast. Christ, that's a lot of podcasts, Sandra, where do you get the time? Sandra's a massive Edith Surreal fan, had some brilliant and insightful questions and the whole thing just made for a very enjoyable conversation indeed. So anyway, that's enough from me, let's get straight into it. It's the Wrestling Podcast meets Edith Surreal. And we're back. And we are here now live with the lovely Edith Surreal. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. <laughs> so we've got quite a few questions to get through because there's, there's a huge amount going on at the second, which is, yeah. is all very exciting. So yes, I suppose just for anybody that hasn't had an opportunity to see you wrestle yet, could you just give a bit of a, an introduction to yourself and how you describe yourself in the ring? Sure. Uh, so my name is Edith Surreal. I was formerly known as Still Life or Still Life Apricots and Pears. Um, I've been wrestling for about three years. I started off in a promotion called Chikara and have since kind of branched out. You can see me at Beyond Wrestling, at uh, GCW now, which is really exciting. I'm based here in Philadelphia in the United States. Um, I am, I don't know, my wrestling style, I guess I've like trained in Lucha Libre and also catch wrestling. So I like to kind of blend the two of those together the best I can. Mm. Um, but really I like any kind of, I try to keep my style as diverse as possible. So I'm able to kind of match up with anybody really and, um, stay, you know, do my best to stand out. So, um, whatever I do, I'm always, the center of attention. <laughs> you mentioned about the um the being formerly known as Still Life with Apricots and Pears. What was the thought behind the name change? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. There was a lot of things uh, that went into that. Um, you know, when you start off in, in a place like Chikara, that name and that identity is kind of given to you. You're, you know, I didn't pick it. <laughs> um, that came from, you know, people within Chikara and also like the storyline of, uh, I was created by Blank, um, who was this other wrestler. Um, he was the tortured artist and I was his masterpiece. Um, so that worked really well in the beginning, but now that I'm, you know, not wrestling at Jakara, not really wrestling with Blank as much anymore, I wanted to kind of form my own identity. Um, so that's like one reason. Um, also like I am transgender. So I was going through the process of changing my legal name. Um, and I just felt like there's a whole thought process that goes into changing your legal name. Um, Cause how rarely do like, do people get to name themselves? Um, so it was a whole mental 
exercise and a whole thing that, you know, is, you know, is still happening. So I just kind of started applying that to, to still life and now Edie. Um, so I just wanted something that I owned, something that was mm-hmm. a fresh start. And there's also legal things too, where, um, you know, the name still life of apricots and pears was owned by someone else. I didn't have the rights to that. And as I'm starting to like move up, so to speak, um, I wanted something that I could legally control. <laughs> so, um, and do whatever I want. And there was no restrictions to it. Not that it was any kind of headache before, not that anyone had like malicious intent with, um, the, the name before I just wanted something that like, I can have the paperwork that says it's, it's mine, that it's all mine. And, um, so all of those reasons went into the name change and I was thinking about it for a really long time. Um, even like right from the beginning, like, what do I have to do to like separate when that time comes? So I felt like it was the right time. It was kind of now or never, um, as I feel like I'm building more equity into myself as a wrestler, it just felt like the right time. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's, I, I can understand that wanting to, if it, basically the whole act to be your creation, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's just all coming from the right place. You've got that sense of alignment, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You never have to kind of worry about IP and that kind of thing where, you know, even if you have the best relationship with potentially with whoever controls it, there's always a chance that that does sort of run aground and you could be, having the best run of your career and you're like, oh, actually you need to change your name when you're at the height of your powers, potentially. What mm-hmm. a nightmare that would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just felt like, you know, you see that happen a lot with certain wrestlers who, um, you know, like Pentagon Jr. or the mm. Dudleys or, or anyone like that who have, who have established a lot with that name and then having to change it a little bit. Mm. Um, and I just wanted like my cage match page to be really nice and organized. I didn't want to have like, 18 variations of still life with, very, with apricots and pears it's just it's really nice and tidy when we see those two names there so yeah, absolutely yeah as a cage match lover i can really appreciate yeah. that yeah. absolutely <laughs> i was so upset for a long time like it just put me it was recently actually they put me down as a comedy wrestler and i was just like no 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 who do i talk to to change this i am not i am serious like yeah sure there's a, a gimmick a look but like i'm a serious wrestler um, I was like, that doesn't make sense at all for you because that's, I mean, obviously like you've been more of a character and being a mass wrestler and everything, but I wouldn't put comedy together with your style necessarily no, at all. Not, not anymore. At first, that was kind of the, right. the, the impression that a lot of people had who didn't really watch me. Like I would go to shows right at the beginning and they're like, all right, so like, we'll do like, we'll steal your pose and then you get mad and then you don't have to do anything. You don't even have to wrestle. It's just like. No, that's not how it works. Like, mm. I sure I'm a character. I'm a big personality. But like when the bell rings, I want to wrestle. I'm not here mm. to do improv. Like I'm not here to do a sketch. I don't have, I don't, I'm not even here to shit talk. Like <laughs> I just want to wrestle. I mean, if people realized who exactly who your trainers were, they wouldn't go, oh, this is just a comedy wrestler. No. Right. <laughs> even though, I mean, some of them can't be, oh, of course. <laughs> you know, Orange Cassidy could be perceived that way um but like he can go you know like he's he's an incredible wrestler that's yeah. that's the thing he is the best wrestler in the world yeah. oh. <laughs> I mean, strong agree like, yes oh he's incredible and <laughs> um he's a huge influence it, it, he's so influential on me as a wrestler and me as a character and my style and my match structure and everything like that like anywhere i go and we're discussing the match 
everyone always says like you sound just like Cassidy you sound just oh, like really? OC when you call him that because <laughs> it's that's a huge you know, compliment yeah. too I mean that's and I can see it for sure <laughs> yeah oh thank you I think it's just the way I talk but like um you know he he was the one who who helped me the most with putting a match together uh, of all of those beats and everything that goes into the performance. Um, him and Chuck Taylor too, um, were, are the whole reason for how I do things the way I do them. That's very cool. Very That's cool. really interesting. Mm-hmm. So the, your gear has changed and evolved over the years. So it was a huge amount, you know, from, from where things mm-hmm. started, you know, how hands-on have you been with the designs and can you speak to how maybe that reflects the evolution of you as a character? just kind of to throw this out there as something that I maybe picked up on. I do wonder if, I wonder if you'd be happy to speak on this, whether it has reflected the change as your, as your gender expression has, has changed as well. Absolutely. Yes. All of that. Um, so when I first started, I had this all white gear head to toe all in white. And the idea was we were going to draw on it as time progressed. So we were kind of experimenting how that would work. Um, sometimes we had fans draw on it. Sometimes when Blank was angry, he would draw on me. Hmm. Sometimes when he was happy, he would draw. So, um, it took a minute to figure out how it worked and how like the mediums would work. Like how first we had these like fabric markers, but they wouldn't like leave a, a strong enough mark and you would like draw on it and it would like bounce off the spandex. <laughs> so it was all these dotted lines. And then I, um, I'm a silk screener. I do a lot of screen printing. So oh, no I, I had like some, some extra ink and that's what held. Um, so that's, we started, you know, splattering on that, but then I would leave like marks on canvases. So like on the wrestling canvas, I would do like a baseball slide or something and leave like a purple streak <laughs> across it. Like, you know, we don't, we don't want to be leaving skid marks on other people's canvases. So, so, you know, after a while we changed that, um, I got a set for myself. That was just the all purple velvet thing. Um, so it was basically the same look just with a different color, mm. just so I could wrestle elsewhere and not, I mean, the white gear also got really dirty and damaged mm. and stuff like that. So I had to really, I was wondering it. about washing it, especially after it had been painted the way it was like how much mm-hmm. of a pain that must've been. What we did actually was every time there was like a big, like dirt streak on it or something, we just paint over it. Um, and I did have to wash it to keep it, you know, hygienic and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't like really scrub it or soak it for too long. Um, so yeah, that's where when, every time I would add a mark, it was just like, well, there's like dirt or a footprint or blood or something. <laughs> so yeah, over time, I started having more and more control of it after I started like wrestling elsewhere. Um, so I would work with Closet Champion, which is Kate and Ophidia and the Cobra. They are my primary gear makers. And also uh, Green Ant uh, makes a lot of my masks. Um, he made this one. Um, so I just kind of started sharing my like Pinterest board with them and sharing some different ideas. Um, so I had some influence there, but like as a designer, like I, I'm a graphic designer and an illustrator, I don't want someone to come to me with the full idea with the mm. full sketch. So I just gave them kind of a mood board, what I'm thinking, and then let them design it the best they can. Cause they are the experts on gear and fabric and what's going to look good under lights and all the things that come into that. I'm not, I'm not an expert there. So I wanted to trust them to make it work uh, however they could. And luckily, like I have a really good relationship with them that they can kind of understand that and take knowing that I am picky and controlling, but like being able to give me something that is, is going to like 
solve all the all the needs that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, definitely as like my gender expression was changing as I was kind of like um, starting the transition and coming through that. Um, and as me, the real person was, was transitioning, my gear was reflecting that. So started doing, you know, uh, the shorter bottoms. So I wore tights like underneath. Um, that was kind of the last like one piece set. And then now I'm in the two piece. Um, and I just want things to look a little bit more femme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to continue kind of doing that. Um, and then also I, in Chikara, I had this all white set. Um, so after the painted set, I had one that was just pure white and gold after like me and blank separated. Um, and it was just really nice fabric and it was really nice because it was just one layer. So it was like a really good, like athletic moisture wicking fabric. It was really great. However, as I started to develop as my like chest was developing, it was like a little too revealing there. So, um, I had to get rid of it, even though I loved it and I wanted another year with that. Um, you know, had Chikara, if, you know, continued, I would have, um, you know, brought in my purple sets and, and my kind of own sets there, but, um, it did not. Um, and then the white, like in my match with Ophidian, ironically, I, uh, I broke my nose in the middle of the match or as soon as the match started. So I have this white mask on and as the match is going on, you just see like this red spot growing oh and growing goodness. and growing. <laughs> Oh, and that's like my worst fear. It's like, what if I get, if I'm bleeding from my mouth or my nose during a match, because it has nowhere to go. Like mm. the blood is just pulling in here. Um, so that happened and it happened right away. And like in the middle of, you know, right after that, I had a submission hold on Ophidia. Then and Chris, Chris Levin, who's one of my really close friends and like an incredible referee. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, Chris, my nose is broken. I don't know what to do. Like, I think we have to cut the match. He's like, you're fine. Continue the match. He's like, okay, I'm fine. And then like, I forgot all about it. I just need him to tell me to shut up and to just like get through it. I forgot all about it. And um, yeah, still have that mask. It's all like, all gross, but um, yeah. So lots of evolution. So it's just all painting on it or whatever happened in the ring, bleeding. Um, body changing all that stuff is part of the evolution and i want that i don't want to have the same look year after year mm-hmm. like you know lady gaga looks different at every album madonna looks at different uh share like it's all about evolving yeah um as a pop star not that i'm a pop star but i i'm, I'm really inspired by that kind of thing so i want to look different all the time because i don't want to be like you know i love the cure i love robert smith I don't want to look like Robert Smith when I'm older, you know, like <laughs> that look doesn't necessarily fit with where he, where he's at. God bless him. I love him. And I don't, I'm not going to talk trash on Robert Smith, but um, you know, I want to have something that ages gracefully yeah, too. Sure. And, and just evolves. So that's definitely something wrestling generally has lacked where you're stuck in that kind of arrested development where once you've got a look that works for you, you can never change it. Uh, for whatever reason and you know even if it no longer kind of works for for what you're trying to do yeah which is a real shame so i I do think it's wonderful sort of um yeah that you're like happy to kind of change and move with what works for you like and i've on a personal level i really love the sort of the current mass design with the you know your hair on show and now the eyes on show like i think it's you've obviously got very expressive eyes and have got sort of some of the best brows in the game so (laughs) Yeah, brow respect that. for sure. 
I was going to say, has it been different for you? Like just expression wise, because you used to have the full face mask where you couldn't see any of your face. You were basically just Mm -hmm. the work of art. And like, there was very little of your actual physical characteristics that the audience could see. Has that kind of changed your wrestling style too? Now that you're able to express more and like be more of you? Sure. I mean, in a way, like one of the huge advantages to having your mouth, your whole face covered is you emote with your whole body it's really easy and natural to emote with your face, especially your eyes. But when that's taken away from you, you have to emote with everything. Mm. So especially as a young wrestler, my first year or two, that was so important to learn those skills of um, how do I show struggle without my face? You know, I'm taking a hold, then it becomes my hands and my fingers, my toes and my whole body is in that. And I put someone else in a hold and I'm flexing every single muscle. Um, you really get good at that kind of thing of selling and emoting in the ring when all your primary tools are taken away from you. Like, have you ever watched The Mandalorian? Yeah, big fan. (laughs) So what's really, really incredible about him is same thing. He is covered in steel in whatever the, what's the name of steel? There's like a thing, whatever. Oh, um, Valoria or something? Did I forget? Why can't I think of it right now? I feel like (laughs) I'm looking at my lightsaber over there and just like feeling shame (laughs) for not knowing the answer to this immediately. (laughs) Like Beskar or something? Yes. Beskar, right? Yeah, Beskar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it doesn't move. It's not even like spandex. Like he has nothing to show emotion, but he does it and he does it brilliantly. Like the small little details of him in danger or him feeling confident or him feeling um whatever he's feeling you can tell that and that's brilliant acting um because he has nothing he has nothing no you can't see his muscles flex you can't see his face you can't see even like with just a mask I can raise my brows and you can see a little change Mm -hmm. or I can squint and you can see a little bit or my mouth can open like you can see that hint of it he doesn't even have that and he he does it brilliantly so um it was that kind of thing but yes as soon as the eyes were out that opened it up to a whole new level. It made me feel, made me human, you know, instead of just being a piece of art. Now I'm a human here. We see a little bit of humanity there. And as I kind of progress, like now my arms are out. So you can see my tattoos and mm-hmm. you can see I'm a person with, you know, you can see what, what kind of person maybe I am outside of wrestling. Um, but really those, those things are, have pretty much all merged together yeah. anyway. Um, and then now my hair's out, which is, I notice, I, I watch my videos of myself wrestling now and it feels much more expressive with this out. Like I was always worried that when my hair was covered and it was just like a full, you know, my whole head was covered. I looked very stiff. I feel like I didn't like my posture, um, my presentation. I just, I felt something was off. It felt kind of awkward. But now that my hair's out, it feels much, I, I, I look much more fluid, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Like it feels less stiff. It feel, I feel much more, um, I don't know. I just like the way it looks now. So yeah, that definitely evolves as things, as things are, are being more visible and, and showing. Mm. And then like, in terms of like your in-ring style, you mentioned being chained by or trained by Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, like you tend to use a lot of submissions and like Mm -hmm. Lucha Libre influence and whatnot. Is there anything that drew you specifically to like submission wrestling or was it just kind of, you tried a bunch of different things and that was just kind of what worked for you best? Yes. I actually was not, not the biggest fan of, of submission wrestling and, and catch wrestling and stuff like that. 
when I started, I thought I was going to be much more like lucha base, much more of a high flyer. Um, but as I started training, I realized that like, oh, I'm not so like, not the most natural flyer, not the most natural, um, not the most natural at lucha. And when I'm training with people like Green Ant or Razor Hawk or Danger Hawk, who take to that incredibly well, I can't do that better than them. I can't fly better than Razorhawk. I can't do arm drags better than Green Ant. So why would I even put myself there? Mm-hmm. And then let alone like Fire Ants in Chikara, like he's one of the best like American luchadors. So like, I, I can't do anything better than him. So why am I even gonna try? But what I did find is like, I really picked up onto submission wrestling and going hold for hold. It just naturally fit just me. I just, I kind of picked that stuff up a lot quicker. I also have a really good body type for that. You know, with having really long limbs, I'm mm. able to really wrap someone's whole body into something. Um, so it just really naturally fit everything that I do. So now I'm a fan of it. Now I watch it. Now I study it. Now I really think about it and I fully embrace it. Um, it's also like a lot easier on your body. I don't have to worry about like, you know, I do some dives here and there um, when the moment calls for it, but I feel like wear and tear my body is a lot. It's a lot kinder to my body to do this kind of style. Mm. Um, so I can do this for a lot longer and I haven't, you know, knock on wood, haven't had any major injuries right now. Oh, why do I even say that now? It's gonna happen. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> we'll knock on all the materials yeah. around yeah, us. Just oh to... <laughs> my God, I have a big weekend coming up. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I just naturally picked up on it. Um, and I love it now. I, I, I really enjoy structuring a match like that. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult to always capture everyone's a, a attention with it. So I try to make it as, you know, interesting as possible. It feels like more of a nuanced um, style in wrestling. Sure. So I just try to find ways to like make it so everyone can understand what's happening mm. and everyone is interested in it and make it my own and make it look like something that only I can do. Only Edie Surreal can do this type of hold um because of her long limbs and all that stuff so yeah yeah okay and you know it's you've been very successful uh, particularly within the tournament setting yeah you know, was the uh recently won the cassandro cup there was the young lions yeah. cup there was the uh, the camp lee frog uh, christmas trios as well so it, does it mean quite a lot to you to get, keep getting the nod in these settings yes oh incredible yeah um it always it really catches me by surprise and, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, I've never even won one. You, you were over here winning three of them. <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, it, it's really cool that I'm trusted with that. It's really great that I'm trusted to wrestle three times in one day. Um, you know, that's kind of been the staple of, of pandemic wrestling is, like, we do a taping with a lot of matches. And before mm. that, very rarely have I ever wrestled more than once a day. Gosh, um, yeah. Didn't think usually you just have to focus on the one thing. Now it's like, I have to put together three matches in a day and there's no time to stress about it. Like you just have to get through it. And, and it's been really great because I'm used to spending a lot of time putting together a match and getting really stressed when I don't have that time. But now I have to, I had to figure out how to put together all every match in a finals is you got 10 minutes to put that thing together. And that's, that's just the magic of wrestling that me and Ashton star can go and put the match that we had, which I'm so proud of that match with Ashton Starr. He's an incredible performer mm. um, and such like a genuine, sweet person. But we had no time to do that. 
And the fact that it was what it was, it felt like, like, that's the magic of professional wrestling. That's the language of professional wrestling, that we could do that. Um, and there was no time to be anxious about it. There was no time to overthink anything, you know? And that's why what, what made it special is because there is, whatever your first instinct is, is usually right. But when you have time, you can start to question that. Mm. But we, we didn't have time. So there's no questioning it. It's just like, this is what it is. We've got to do it. And then we'll figure it out the rest out there. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's great that I'm trusted with that because some people and me at another time would have just had a panic attack and the match would have never happened. So <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds very trial by fire Absolutely. where it just be like, okay, it's like, you know, fight or flight kind of a deal. Mm. <laughs> yep, it is. It is. And, um, but that's wrestling. Things change all the time. Someone gets hurt in the ring. Someone forgets a thing. Um, someone's late. You have another match thrown together at the last second that happens all the time and you just got to get used to it and that's what makes professionally such a professional wrestling such an incredible performing art mm. because there is such a huge scripted part of it but there's so much improv that has to happen and you just have to be ready because you never know what it's gonna be you know yeah sometimes your match is all spelled out for you sometimes it's not and you have to be able to adapt to all of that. And I don't think there's anything else in the world that's quite like that. No, there's not. Um, and uh, I'm from an acting background personally, and I have this conversation with people all the time, mostly with people that don't know anything about wrestling. But, you know, one of the big things with wrestling is that you have to cater for not only a live crowd, and that's a particular type of performance, but also play to a camera oftentimes as well, which is a slightly mm -hmm. different, you know, technique in itself. So you really have to be this sort of ultimate performer, really, to be able to encapsulate both of those mediums all at once, plus do all this daring stuff in the ring. You know, there's nothing else like it in the world, I'm sure. I feel like no, it takes no. so much multitasking. Like I have to remember my moves and remember where the camera is and mm. play to the crowd. And like, just all of this stuff is just, I don't know. I'm always in awe because it just, it seems so hard. <laughs> it is hard. And that's a lot. A lot of people don't realize that's a lot where the, a good referee comes in. Um, so like someone like Chris Levin or Gina or like Chris Bankos, um, like they're really, really great at reminding you of those things. Like, um, letting you know what the crowd is thinking, letting you know where the hard cam is, because we have to face the hard camera for a lot of these, for any performance, really. And um, sometimes you just find yourself in a position, like it's it's hard to plan for that. So someone's just here and you grab them, but your back starts hard cam. How do you, how do you find that? And referees are really great for that because you're remembering stuff, you're gassed, you're trying to interact with the, with the audience you you keep sometimes you forget where that thing is and then you know they're there to remind you of it or there are certain wrestlers like Sonny Defarge um is incredible at that part of just knowing where all the cameras are mm. um and helping you to remember that um so yeah it's a lot and that's what that's what makes it like a very like um collaborative effort um especially with a good referee like I um you notice the difference between a match with a really good referee and a referee who's just there to to count mm. um like someone like Chris is every match that he's in is better because he's able to give those notes and able to like help out there. Interesting. Okay. Um, one of the other things that at least from our perspective anyways, felt like one of the silver linings of the pandemic, if you like, is that it seems to have been more of a spotlight placed on LGBTQ plus talent, you know, in 2020 mm -hmm. and thus far in 2021. I mean, do you, attribute that to the conditions of the pandemic or is that something else entirely i don't know i didn't really think of it that way um i think it's 
maybe we, for whatever reason, um, the things that we're influenced by and the things that we like to do lent themselves to social media because that's a huge, a huge, that's like the main platform for wrestling over the last year. Like that's what, that's what wrestling is presented in. So people like MV Young or Effie um, are able to really use that in their promos and the videos that they put out to really capture people's attention. Um, so maybe that's one reason and there's an emphasis on that. Um, but I think this has largely just been brewing. I mean, when we did Butch versus Gore in the beginning of 2020 at Primetime Pro in, in Washington, D.C., you know, that was a huge LGBTQ event. And there's just something so, so special in that atmosphere. And it felt like we need to keep this going. Um, we need to keep growing this. And there's so many of us now. Um, you know, DJ Accident Report was just saying, like, I was, he, was on, um, he was on LGBT in the Ring, another podcast. And just saying how, like, three years ago, this didn't exist. Three years ago, there weren't enough queer wrestlers on the independence to have a full promotion. Um, or have a full, not a full promotion, but a full scene. You know, have the referees and announcers and to, to have multiple shows and to do all these things. That didn't, there weren't enough of us. And now there is. Um, so I think it's just a combination of those two. It's just a natural push. Um we're able to bring something different to the table. Maybe, mm. you know, I think growing up queer, your, your interests are maybe a little different than the average wrestler. We're able to be inspired by something different. Um, and wrestling has been around for so long that it's really hard to find new ways to do this. And I think a lot of LGBTQ plus wrestlers are able to find a new spin on it. Um, that it feels fresh. Um, so that we are these big, characters and we're used to being the comedy role like i was saying earlier but now we want to show everyone that we can wrestle like that was everything behind effie's big gay brunch and that's everything behind the cassandra cup and that's everything that that cassandra did for us was to start off as that joke character and become a serious wrestler while still being lighthearted and having levity but also very serious moments like that's what cassandra you know that's what he he made and he set that template for the rest of us and um so I think it's just now it's at that point where it's fresh and different. And um, we're also able to show that like we can sell tickets and we can get ratings. Like the Cassandra Cup had the biggest debut on IWTV. Um, it, it wasn't just the niche. Like it was the highest drawing show on IWTV. So mm. if you want to sell tickets, if you want an audience, you need to have LGBTQ plus talent on your roster. And mm. a story. There seems to be like a kind of combination of things how like it's taken the traditional all the traditional tropes of professional wrestling, which is very tradition the kind of very traditional ideas of masculinity and subverting mm -hmm. them. And it's also done away with the idea that, you know, you can only have characters that are gay and being sort of LGBTQ plus or, or gay or what have you is the entirety of their character they're not fully formed human beings with other wants and needs and desires it's just mm -hmm. that's, that's the end of the story it's so great that there's these full and complete representations of the yeah. community now <laughs> mm -hmm. and that that definitely ref reflects like entertainment uh in a whole you know like uh do you know the show Shit's creek yeah yeah love so it. that show is incredible it's really funny i love it but one of the best parts about it is Queerness is represented in the show, but it's not 
it's not the whole focal point yeah. and it's not a tragedy which is most most important like a lot of times sure there is trans representation there is there is queer representation out there but a lot of times it's presented as a tragedy mm-hmm. and sure those elements are present in our life there are tragic moments in being queer but that's not the whole story and that's not even the biggest part of the story so the fact that a, a show like Shit's Creek can show the positiveness or just the mundaneness of being queer um that's really fresh and that's really something like that is kind of inspiring it inspires me how I want to present my character and how I want to want to discuss my queerness um I don't want it to be a focal point I don't want it to be a weird tragedy story um and I think just having more queer people in writers' rooms, in places of decision making, um, is only helping that. Like Effie is the one who is booking big gay brunch. Um, he's the one with those ideas. It's not, you know, a, a bunch of straight people planning this out and putting his picture on there. Like he's the one planning this stuff. Um, so it's so important to have queer folks making these decisions for other queer folks. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because I feel like when straight people try to write queer people it always just comes across as like it comes across as flat right like it almost just comes across like you're Mm -hmm. a paper doll person and Mm -hmm. it's it's been cool to see like you say entertainment as a whole has seemed to kind of progress in the past few years you know like um and I think before the pandemic obviously like Big Gay Brunch was already in the works and I think it has been bubbling because you mentioned accident report a while ago I know he loves to say wrestling is drag like drag is wrestling like they are the same thing right Mm -hmm. like it's this bombastic art form and it's been I don't know it's been really refreshing for me to see that representation and to see everybody just kind of like living like when I watch Big Gay Brunch I feel like I come away even if I'm watching it on fight like proverbially like covered in glitter and just like really excited about everything you know what I mean so it's been awesome (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) it's really interesting sort of you know where you kind of mentioned kind of wrestling is drag I hadn't kind of thought about that but it's like one is really over the top uh, examples of femininity and one is traditionally supremely over the top heightened versions of masculinity mm-hmm. yeah that's really like, like that hadn't sort of crossed my mind before but like spot on yeah absolutely and then now we're at a point where we're kind of it's like a post I don't know a postmodern version of that in mm. wrestling and mm. in drag culture of subverting those things of reversing them of ignoring them of whatever it is to just play with that kind of those dials of um the gender expression and, and and anything else really any other expression within that um now we're able to play with that and to do whatever we want with it um and to make it different so we're both in really cool places um in that regard yeah long may it continue absolutely it seemed like your match at the the sort of the first big gray brunch was really what put you on the radar for a lot of people so sort of was that a big moment for you because I, I do understand there was a certain amount of significance in the match itself for you beyond it just being a fantastic contest yeah thank you um yeah it was definitely like a very personal match for me because once I came out like I was already wrestling I was already performing a still life and then you know personally I decided that it was time to start transitioning to start that to start that journey for myself and I was really worried about what it meant to be a professional wrestler and to transition if that was even possible or anything like that and around that same time you know, this was early 2019, um, Dark Sheik, um, 
addressed the hood slam crowd and, and told them that, you know, she had started hormones and she wasn't sure what that meant. Um, but she just wanted to like, let people know that she was starting that journey. So, so she was out there making that journey and it was really inspiring to me that I felt like a little less alone, even though I didn't know her at that time. Um, and since then we became friends and, you know, she's invited me out to Hood Slam a couple of times and, you know, we've been able to kind of help each other out with different, different things here and there. So, um, when Effie asked me what I wanted to do, um, this was at, uh, Evie Young's polyamble party. I pulled him aside and I said, you know, like, I, I really want to have, share this moment with Sheik. It's like, yeah, we'll do it. Absolutely. So it was just a very personal thing to have two trans wrestlers, to have someone who I look up to. Um, that's what it was. It was a very selfish thing in a way. Like I just wanted to share that moment. But then again, the magic of professional wrestling took over. Um, that was another thing where I was talking about where you have to like talk on the, you have to go on the fly. We're walking to the ring and Pero, who was, um, kind of agenting the whole show, um, which means he was kind of controlling a lot of the flow, like the actual, like minute by minute schedule of everything and what was happening in the matches was up to Pero. Um, so he came up to us and he's like, AJ Gray is not here. <laughs> Who is the match after us? Like, can you stall for time? So he's like, go as long as you possibly can. And that was as we were walking to the curtain. And like I said, I'm uptight and I like to plan things. So I panicked and she's like, I got it. So we went out there and Chris Levin was also the ref and he's like, do what we got to do. So we went out there and um, magic happened. It was a, a definitely a magic moment, um, which made me feel so anxious and a mess. But like seeing the reaction and seeing what it looked like after the fact, it was really, um, it was really cool. It's just a really special moment. And I think it really put us both, it elevated the both of us because I know Sheik has largely been in California and that's kind of its own little bubble, um, West Coast wrestling um, doesn't really cross paths with East Coast and Midwest wrestling. I think that's largely because um, they're far, so it's it's different. You can't really drive from Oakland to Chicago, you know, like I can. I can go from Philly to Chicago to you know to Tennessee. Like there's a whole like ten hour window there which I can make a show. You can't do that in Oakland. Um, so they become it becomes a little bit of a bubble. So um, to get her on IWTV um or no it was on IWTV and fight and to get like those two primary audiences which um you know most of our wrestling here on the east coast is is IWTV so to get her exposure there and to help out there and to have someone who can help elevate me as a performer I think it just we both really benefited from that performance so I live in Oklahoma and okay. we have really strict like wrestling commission mm -hmm. rules, right? Like, so like, what's your experience been, especially as a trans athlete getting licensed to wrestle in different States? And have you ever like run into trouble with that in any States or have you basically been like not had any like issues because like for us, intergender wrestling is actually not allowed in my state where I am. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's such a pain in the butt, right? Because it's stupid. Yes. <laughs> um, but I was just wondering if that's anything you've ever run into, or if you've just kind of wrestled promotions where that hasn't been an issue. It hasn't been an issue anywhere. The only place where the commission is, is actively involved um, that I've experienced so far is Washington, DC. Um, so they have a very strict commission there. Um, and that's why independent wrestling didn't exist there for like 12 years or something like that. Um, only WDB was able to really perform in DC. And, um, 
So Primetime Pro, which had existed for a short time, was the first independent promotion to run there. And, you know, you have to get the license ahead of time. And they had like six people there, um, just six dudes sitting there. Like, I'm sure it's used to boxing. So they were very, you know, um, a little out there. They're actually super supportive and like really helpful with Primetime um, and with wrestling there. But, you know, it was just a little strict. So that was the only place where I had to meet with a no, it's not true. Okay, so I had to meet with a doctor there, tell him all the prescriptions I was on, tell him about my hormones. And I was a little nervous what he was going to say. Um, but he just asked about, like, you know, blood pressure and stuff like that, which is, can be affected by that. So um, he just wanted to make sure that I was fit to perform. Um, so it was, it was no issue. I was nervous about it, but no issue there. And then Maryland, I met with a doc. He didn't ask about my prescription, so... Um, Usually that's going to be like the only kind of issue. And then I imagine once I start changing my like IDs, I, I have, I don't have an updated driver's license or passport or anything like that. So I think once that process happens, I, I imagine there'll be some like bureaucratic nonsense that I have to deal with with commissions, but I haven't had to deal with it too much. Virginia has a commission, um, but you largely just send them money and they send you a piece of paper. <laughs> that seems to be what a lot of it is about is like just making money off of the independent shows. I don't yeah. think they're as concerned about stuff. No, it's very weird. It's very, it feels so old school, but, it does. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it really hasn't been an issue as of yet. Good. And you mentioned them um, earlier about being into sort of graphic design and that sort of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. how- so how did you get into that? And is that sort of your sort of primary passion outside of wrestling or what, what other stuff are you into? Sure. Um, so for a long time, like I thought I was just going to be uh, an independent artist and a freelancer and an illustrator and that whole thing. So, you know, after college, that's what I was doing. I went to, I went to college for graphic design communication. So that's my degrees in, and that's what I was doing for a long time. Um, so that's what I thought that's that's what I thought my identity was and it was my identity but um you know I did some solo art shows and I had a bunch of like art projects all around Philly and I was really involved with that scene but I think once I discovered wrestling and I started training that passion for design had kind of fallen on the back burner as wrestling took over my life you know as I'm going spend every evening training and every weekend on the road um it became hard to be an artist. So, um, yeah, wrestling just took over. And then, um, lately now that I'm like much more involved in making merch and stuff like that and making stuff to sell and to share, um, it's kind of reignited my passion for design that I have something I'm really excited to work on. Um, especially during the pandemic when I have a lot of time and I need something to feel positive about, Mm. um, my passion for design has come back and for drawing and for silk screening. I'm silk screening posters a lot now. So um, that was just all reignited by my creative process and having something to do that I really care about. Cause I was kind of, the hard thing about being a designer is like, you're not always passionate about the work you're doing. I can only be so passionate about selling Velveeta cheese. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not, I don't care. I don't feel anything. I actually feel bad that I'm, pro- putting like gar- like promoting garbage so um being able to promote the performing arts and to promote myself and my friends you know when I have friends who are like down on their lot like something happened they need a fundraiser or something they need a new piece of merch to sell because their gear bag got stolen or something like that 
I'm able to contribute that to them. Um, or, you know, they help me out with a thing and I give them a, you know, I do that with like solo all the time, you know, mm -hmm. where she helps me with gear and I can give her a design or, or something like that. So it's nice to be able to do that and to help someone out and just to be really passionate about this, the work that I'm doing again. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of cool that your character was like a work of mm. art, basically. And then that also is a passion of yours. Like, do you have any favorite artists that you draw inspiration from? Like visual artists, not just in wrestling? Sure. Um, I mean, large so my my background is largely in graphic design. So I'm very I love bold visual like pieces of graphics. Like that's that's what my passion is. I'm not so much interested in visual art in a way, although I appreciate it and I love it. It's just like, you know, my my passion is really about graphic design. So I love Shepard Ferry and Obey. I love what he was able to do as like, started as one single image and has made an entire brand, an entire industry and an entire subculture around this picture of Andre the Giant. Um, and it's so consistent and everything looks the same. It all looks like Shepard Ferry even though he has a team of people doing it for him now. I don't even think he designs anything himself. It's just like his little studio with a bunch of little interns doing that work, but it's so consistent and it's so good. Um, and it's just so interesting that his thing started as like an anti-capitalist movement in a way. And now he's got like a clothing line at Urban Outfitters and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I think he's great. You know, I saw him speak a couple of times. He's, I think he's brilliant. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, my like design heroes are like Milton Glaser and Seymour Seymour Quast. So they, they're this is like really inside baseball right now. But like they were, um, <laughs> they were gra they were graphic designers, illustrators in the '60s, '70s. Um, so they just experimented with style and just like again, just like really really bold graphics. And I just love, I love silk screening. I love gig posters. That was my first big passion was concert posters. Mm. Um, because they have to be bold because they're printed. Like silkscreen is like this stencil process. So you can't have fine detail in there. You can't have gradiated colors. Like you get like four colors. They have to be bold and it has to work on this thing. This you know, silkscreen which degrades over time. So it's everything about it has to be grainy and bold and in your face and tactile. So I just, I just love that. So that's, that's, that's where my passion of, of art is. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I suppose we've got to talk about the collective because that's that's the big thing. It's just just about coming up and you're all over this weekend, which is wonderful. So anybody that yes. hasn't had the opportunity to see that this is the time. Um, so at press time, from what I can see, you're involved in the Acid Cup uh, mm. for a first round match against Jordan Oliver. Real hot girl shit with match against Lady Frost. Yes. And Effie's Big Gay Brunch against Devin Monroe. So these are three absolute bangers already. Um, how mm -hmm. excited are you for this weekend and the variety of opponents that you're already announced to face? Oh my, I'm so excited. And don't forget IWT TV showcase of the independence um, at Family Reunion. I'm fighting Mr. Lee Moriarty for the IWTV championship. So oh, crikey. Okay. that's a big one too. Can't forget that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so exciting. I feel like, this like WrestleMania weekends, I don't even know what to call the whole thing anymore because now it's several different brands and promotions down there. But this whole like yearly, you know, convergence of, of the independence, it feels like a nice little place, like uh, a nice little place marker of where you're at with the amount of like the number of bookings you have. Maybe that's just me thinking about it. I don't know if the fans do, but seeing that 
you know, when it was in New Jersey, I had the one, but it was Chikara. And then, you know, at the collective, I had one against Dark Sheik at Gate Brunch. And now it's able to like, that number's up to four. Um, hopefully more if, if I, you know, move through the, get past Jordan Oliver and the Acid Cup. So just seeing that kind of growth is, is hugely important and makes me feel really good. And the caliber of opponents that I'm wrestling is super exciting to have another chance to wrestle Lee Moriarty, who's arguably one of the best technical wrestlers on the independence, be able to go toe to toe with him and to have it's a title match. This is my first like singles title match oh, wow. um, outside of a, a tournament, which is amazing. Um, so I'm just so excited about that and to have that kind of spotlight in presumably a main event, maybe or whatever, but um, that's amazing. Um, and then on the collective side, um, I'm so excited to wrestle Lady Frost. We wrestled at Primetime Pros, Butch versus Gore. We are um, largely in sync with what we want to do. Um, when we wrestled that match, we walked in and had the exact same idea. It's like we had planned the match, but we never talked about it. Like we just planned it telepathically, it felt like. It was just, again. That's how you know it's meant to be. <laughs> yes. That was another example of pro wrestling magic was what me and her did did there. We just, we were just so in sync with each other. Um, so I'm just really, really excited about that. She's an incredible performer, um, such a sweetheart. So I'm just, I'm just so excited about that. The Acid Cup, oh my gosh, like that's, that's huge. I mm. feel like um, the platform that Effie was able to give us at Gay Brunch helped get me the attention that will bring me to the Acid Cup. I don't know if that would happen without mm. Big Gay Brunch. So um, just to be in that tournament with those lists of names um, is amazing. Um, being the only like woman in the tournament, the only queer person that I think. Um, not sure um, on that one, but just being to like that representation there is huge. And I hope that I'm able to move through and to like, um, you know, just able to move through and get, get a couple days out of that. Jordan Oliver's incredible wrestler. He's super hot. He's so hot right now. So <laughs> just to like um, work with him and like, just really excited. We've had a, a chance to talk about it a little bit, um, but it should be really, really cool. Um, and of course, like Devon Monroe, like he's amazing. He's so sweet. He's so nice. He's so talented. His gear looks amazing. Like uh, it's always on point. Yes. I'm really looking forward to that. And I love working at Gay Brunch because it gives us a chance to like think of something different. Like what are they going to expect from us? Let's not do that. You know, so I'm excited to see what we can come up with and what is going to be different and what is going to catch people's attention because you know, I have four matches. I'll have, have four matches in three days by then. I'm going to be bored of doing the same thing. I'm on something new. Um, I want to stand out. People have seen a lot of wrestling. What am I going to do? What can we do to be something that's going to catch people's attention at 1130 on Saturday morning? Um, so just I'm just so excited about the whole thing. You know, excited to like hang out with all my friends. We got the Airbnb. We're in Tampa. It's a lot of people I haven't seen in a minute. So like just excited about the whole thing. I'm um, going to have some new gear. I got some cool entrance things going on. It is going to be going to have new merch. Hopefully, hopefully I get my new t-shirts in. Um, so just looking forward to the whole thing. And 
as you know it's it's lovely to hear you that you know you're as excited as i think you know probably or maybe even more excited than most fans are for the uh, the upcoming weekend the collective and the stuff surrounding like wrestlemania weekend now it almost feels a little bit to me like um the equivalent of like the Edinburgh Fringe Festival over here, where it's comedians like go and set out their stall to be like, look, this is where I am. This is how good my material is now. Book me to come and tour in your venues because this is the biggest stage of the year to kind of see me on. And so it's like, yeah, I just think it's really wonderful how off the back of, you know, if you if you have a good performance over WrestleMania weekend, the world is your oyster, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's cool too, because there's a lot like, I don't know what it's going to be like this year, but in, in past years, like a lot of like the mainstream TV wrestlers are there, you know, like when we were down in Orlando, like Kevin Owens was there, you know, a lot of like wrestlers who are big on the Indies, who have a lot of friends who are still, who are wrestling on the collective who they don't get to see, like they're there. Um, so you get a chance to impress people who would yeah, you absolutely. would benefit you to impress them you know so like <laughs> they're there um so it's just it's a huge time and it's um it's also tough because everyone's there to get attention and when mm-hmm. everyone's there to get attention no one gets attention so mm. how do you stand out how do you make the most of that um and maybe you don't maybe it all is a blend and it's just a fun time with my friends which i'm more than happy to do you know mm-hmm. so it's just a it's exciting on all fronts it's it's the highlight of the year and it's like you know, we've been in this pandemic and lockdown for so long. This is kind of like, it's not over. I know that <laughs> I'm vaccinated, but like, I know it's not over, but it's still kind of like more light at the end of this, this awful, awful tunnel that we've been in. <laughs> it feels a little more like normalcy. We were actually going to ask about that, um, like regarding the collective and the shows that you've been able to work throughout the pandemic. It seems like GCW has been pretty stringent about like safety measures and keeping people safe at the shows like what's your experience been like how how different has it been wrestling in a pandemic where like masks are required and that kind of thing it's it's got to be kind of crazy not having as much of an audience and whatnot I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that yes I mean luckily I always have a mask on so we're good there I was gonna say you're primed for it right (laughs) yeah yeah no issues there like if I can get through a wrestling match with spandex all over my face like Y'all can go to the grocery store with a mask on. It's no big deal. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to that question. Um, wrestling without an audience is quite an adjustment. Um, learning to focus on the TV, learning to focus on your vocals and to make that performance different. Um, it was quite a challenge. Um, and I think a lot of us have really been able to like rise to that occasion and to get used to that. Um, so that was definitely the biggest challenge, especially with there's certain parts of a match where the audience is responsible for, you know, bringing you to life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, largely like the second half of a match, the audience is so important to what the pacing of that is. Um, so to not have that is really tough. And sometimes you have other wrestlers there in the audience and they know that, like they know how to get that clap going and all that stuff. So when when that's there, it's fine. But like at the Costanjo Cup, like, it was silent. It was just us, you know. Um, so it's tough, but you get used to it. And I think, you know, a lot of us are kind of in that part where that's normal. And now, like, the audience catches you by surprise. Hmm. Um, you wrestling on these shows, like being backstage in front of people. Um, it's, it, at first, it was really tough because there was, like, five months where I, didn't, hmm. where I was not in a group of people at all. So, like, you, you forget how to socialize. You forget how to talk. Um, wrestling is interesting because... 
have you have you all heard about the, the importance of like a handshake mm-hmm. at the beginning of a show? Sure. Oh yeah. So that's that's a huge part of wrestling culture is you want to go shake everyone's hand. A lot of it comes from like making sure everyone's legit, everyone's back there who needs to be back there. But it's also really nice because you get this little moment with everybody. I love that ritual where I can introduce myself to someone who is maybe in a different position than me. And I get like, I'm allowed to have that moment where I introduce them where I'm not going to interrupt them and it's okay. Like I don't have that social anxiety there. Um, So it's nice to have those moments and just to catch up with people I may not have a chance to talk to the rest of the day because we're so busy. So I love that little ritual, just saying hello and greeting everybody. I think it's really sweet and really nice. Um, So not like this weird machismo oversensitive mm. thing that I think a lot of people think about it. It's a nice little, it's a nice little moment you can have with everybody. So like, you can't do that anymore. You can't go shake everyone's hand. So it's really fun now that it's just like, Oh, hey, hi. Like it's just these awkward moments with everybody. So, um, you know, that's different feeling weird about being in groups. Like it's, it's very like, it was very strange because you're not used to that. It feels like you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, everyone's tested. Everyone takes it really seriously. Um, there hasn't been any, like, super spreader events, thankfully. Um, and you just kind of accept that we're all putting ourselves at risk. And we're also, like, we're professional wrestlers. Like, we don't understand what risk is. Like, we have to forget about that kind of thing. Like, we're dumb like that. So um, it's I think it's a harder group to to – to to wrangle up because we throw caution to to the wind in our lives you know by physically putting our bodies in this position Mm -hmm. by putting our careers you know our personal lives to the side to go do this thing that we do like we sacrifice everything for this so it's hard to kind of keep everyone like um according to dr fauci's rules to keep us like in line with that but it is good you know really strict about testing, really strict about masks. We enforce it with each other. Hand sanitizer everywhere. So we, you know, largely it was, it was, it was good. Most places have huge backstage, like the collective in Indianapolis had an entire like warehouse in the backstage, like enough room for like um, a, a training, like a practice ring and all that stuff. So, you know, a lot of these places are outside anyway. So spacing's, not as an issue. The collective had a huge back or the um, fight forever had a huge backstage area. Um, enjoy cup just kept it to eight people. So they did the tournament and they were able to stretch that out to four episodes of TV just because they kept the roster so limited. Mm. So you just get really creative with that kind of thing. Very cool. So better wrap this up because I'm very conscious of your time. You've been incredibly generous for it. So thank you for yeah. that. Um, we're good. <laughs> it was I would argue it's a huge 2020 for you and it already feels like it's a big 2021. Yay. <laughs> Where, what are your goals sort of going forward, short-term, mid-term? It's so hard to say. Like, I, I know that's like, as wrestlers, just mm. performers, we're supposed to have these goals. Um, but when I was an artist, I was really into that. I was really into goal-making. I did like the, the Sam goals, like specific, actionable and measurable goals. Like, did all read those books, like did all that, all that stuff. Um, and I didn't meet them, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I, I it, it felt defeating when I couldn't meet them. So with wrestling, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to say yes to everything. I'm not going to set specific goals. I'm just going to go where it takes me. Cause that's all this was to me. Like, it was just like, this is just a fun thing that I find myself doing. 
Um, so I'll just see where it takes me. I'll just say yes to everything. So I'm still largely in that mindset. Um, so I don't have any specific goals. I don't think about like, I need X amount of Twitter followers this month. I notice those things, but it's not like I don't have them written down or anything like that. You know, there's things I'd love to do. You know, I want to travel. I want to go to the UK. I want to go to Australia. I want to go to Japan. Um, I want to go to places where wrestling, independent wrestling doesn't go. I'd love to go through India. Cause I know like India is starting to catch up with like WWE's there for the first time, I think. Hmm. Um, or it's just larger. It's, it's popular there. Hmm. So I would love to go there. Cause I feel like maybe they, they don't have years of being told wrestling's fake. So maybe they think it's real. Um, so I'd love to go to places like that. Um, just want to travel with wrestling. I like traveling. So to have a, a reason to do that, it's great. I want to train with different people. You know, I've been talking to people in Australia about eventually at some point to come down there and train and have a place to stay. Same with the UK, same with Japan, like um, travel, definitely. Um, you know, I think coming out as a queer performer has, has changed what my goals were. They feel less selfish and more like, what can I do to expand this community and to, to be a, somewhat of a support system for people um, because like most shows I go to, someone's coming out to me. I go to the merch table and someone comes up to me and shares their story, oh, wow. um, which is amazing. And it just like totally reframes what I do and, and who I am and what I'm trying to do here. Um, places where I don't expect that places where I, uh, you know, I wrestle at this one place called TIW in the middle of Connecticut in this barn. It's a very small promotion mostly like kids and grandmas. And this was last year I was, I was there. Um, I think there was like one flyer that was posted with my picture on it. It was just, I was a friend of a friend and got thrown on, wanted to drive, got thrown on the show. There were five people who came up to me and bought merch and told me their story and told me, you know, something that I helped them with or just being that representation and helped them. So mm. That's so humbling and that changes everything for me. So just to continue that, whatever that is, you can't really measure what, what that is, but I want more of that. I want to do more of that. I want to help get more queer run promotions. Like that's definitely something I can, I can measure is queer run promotions, queer people writing these stories. I want to help do whatever I can with that. Like those are my goals. Like if this means after wrestling, I'm a, you know, writer for TV wrestling to tell queer stories, so be it. Um, I don't know if that's my main goal, but like something like that. So that's kind of where I'm thinking about with that. I can't really, um, I don't have specific goals as promotions or championships or anything like that. It's all kind of more this nebulous, be more representation kind of thing and travel. And yeah, that's, that's powerful, that's powerful. Okay. Well, Seems like a good philosophy to have. I think so too. And I can speak for Gareth and myself to say, we'd love to see you over here in the yeah, UK absolutely. when it's safe to do so. So, And sort of even prior to you saying so, I was just thinking like, oh, there's some there's some Joshy promotions that I think uh, Edith would be a really nice fit in. Absolutely. Yes. I gotta get myself in better shape though. They sound brilliant. <laughs> oh, they're so fast. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know, I'm friends with uh, Masha Slamovich and she was over at Marvelous for the last year and just like, just hearing what she was doing, she's like, oh, God, I can't keep up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love that. Oh, my gosh. That, that Japan is the top dream. You know, mm. I've never been there even as like a tourist or anything. So I would just love just love to go to Japan and 
anywhere through like Southeast Asia or anywhere in Asia, really, you know, just or anywhere. I just want to travel. So um, all that stuff. I've never been to Europe. I've never been to the UK. Um, definitely all that stuff's huge goals. And I love like what Riptide does. Like, yes. I would just love to be in a cinematic. They're not cinematic uh, matches, but that just the cinematography, so all that stuff is mind-blowingly beautiful. Yeah. And we're doing a little bit of that at Enjoy Wrestling. Um, I think there's a, some inspiration there and, you know, filming this beautiful church and having like really, um, I don't know, whatever you do, slow the shutter speed down or whatever it is with the camera or whatever, you get that cool cinema, cinematography, cinemagraphic look or whatever. Um, I love what's happening with Riptide and that. And just like every show I watch of, of wrestling in the UK is just like the audience is so hot and chanting and cheering and just like, so passionate i love it i want that i want that energy not that we don't get that here but um there's something different there mm. uh, that's really people in the uk know how to chant way better than we do here <laughs> like i always find that when i'm in crowds like with uk wrestlers i'm always lost because i'm just like i'm bad at this i'm sorry yeah. like <laughs> americans just don't know how to chant properly we just don't not used to being yeah. part of a collective you know you... no <laughs> in this the in- individualistic society you have a problem, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we got into some deep philosophy here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's let's take, use that as a point to jump off then. So, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely it's been an absolute pleasure. Been really looking forward to this one, and it has not disappointed. Um, have you got anything to plug, or where can people find you on social media? Yes. Um, find me social media. It's at Edith Surreal um, across the board. We've got the one to use for everything. So. I tweet a lot, really into Instagram, visual characters. So, you know, lots of pictures. Pinterest, follow me on Pinterest. Mm-hmm. I'm pinning the coolest stuff. I want to make wrestling Pinterest the new community. Twitter's like, it's just a cesspool. So like, if we're just sharing recipes and cute outfits and makeup ideas on Pinterest, I'm here for that. That's what I want to do. We talked about goals. That's my goal. I want all of wrestling <laughs> to go on Pinterest. Um, so find me there. You can see me wrestle um, coming up on, um, I should have all these dates in front of me, but down in Tampa on Thursday, you'll see me on IWTV's, uh, what is it called? Showcase of the Independence. I'm on the noon show on Thursday, wrestling Lee Moriarty at Family Reunion. Um, right after that, I'm going to like hop on a bike or somehow get to the Acid Cup um, presented by GCW where I'm wrestling Jordan Oliver. The next day on Friday at 11, it is Hot Girl Shit. We're wrestling uh, Lady Frost. I'm so excited about. And hopefully later that afternoon, I'll be on the, the semis and the finals and win the Acid Cup. We'll see. I don't know. That's what I want. And then on Saturday, um, also at 11 or 12 or something like that, I should have these in front of me. I'm so unprofessional right now. Uh, <laughs> but I'm on FE's Big Gay Brunch wrestling um, Devon Monroe. So big weekend you know after that you can see me at beyond wrestling at camp leapfrog got some special things coming up at camp leapfrog so uh yeah. see me all over so there we go folks uh, head on over to iwtv or fight tv for all the information on that an absolute festival of wrestling with a variety of shows performers and matches that celebrate the full spectrum of professional wrestling and with regards to the collective should be pointed out the shows can be bought individually or as a bundle that's all on fight tv so head over there for that Edie, thanks again for your time it's been absolutely wonderful having you on thank you so much this is a blast great questions this is so much fun 
there we have it. What a lovely conversation. We do hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. Our thanks to Edith for coming on and being so generous with her time. And similarly, big ups to Sandra. We look forward to welcoming her back to cover the collective itself next week. However, we do have one episode to go before then, which G and I will use to discuss Stardom's Yokohama Dream Cinderella show, as well as the third Chris Brooks produce show, The Danger and Pleasure Tour 96. In the meantime, if you're looking for a little bit of extra content, hop on the socials. We're at WrestlingPod, that's Wrestling Without the E, on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to WrestlingPod.com, again, Wrestling Without the E, for all the links you'll need for that. ITRWrestling.com is full of some great news and insight from both Gareth, myself, and the crack team of writers we've got over there. And if you want something to hold, something to love, why not check out InsideTheRopesMagazine.com for that beautiful, glorious, just breathe it all in, that wonderful magazine. And if you're looking to rep your boys in the meantime, then why not head over to shop.itrwrestling.com for all the wrestling podcast merch. Anyway, we'll see you in just a couple of days for our next show. Thanks so much for joining. Stay happy, stay safe, and enjoy the grabs.